Welcome. Um, so excited to jump in and um, not exactly sure, Mark, you'll have to rein in our time because I'm not sure if we're going for 30 or more since we, uh, we're gyrating on the agenda. But this panel, I think, is really just intended to surface and bring up, um, well, obviously combining both the impact discussion and views from the next generation. And I don't want to leave him out because Zach is also on the Zoom with us, and he's on the panel. So you're not all alone, ladies. You do have a male peer in the group. So, um, Zach, if you want to take yourself off mute and also share your screen, that would be great, and hopefully we can, we can hear from a, um, a gentleman perspective as well. But I think really where we're going to start is just maybe quick introductions, if we can just do like 90-second elevator pitches, and I'll model it by just saying Kirby Rosswalk. I am a female entrepreneur born into a complicated um, enterprising family, and before Impact was actually in vogue, my family um, sold a piece of property that has kind of set the bar for green development in the United States um, pre-2008 and um, pretty much one of the largest green developments in the United States from the ground up has um, emerged on this um, 17,000-acre piece of property in Florida. So I can talk to you more about Babcock Ranch if anyone's interested. Um, And then also just work with families, and um, have written several books behind me and also um, have Tamron Partners and Tamron Learning. So my my interest in the next gen really stems from the fact that I think there are hope in our salvation um, and we'll unfortunately have to do the lion's share of work um, to bring us out of our climate crisis, our social justice issues, our political scramble. Um, so that's that's my mantra, but I'm going to turn it over. Why don't we um, kick it over to Kristen, and she can tell you a little bit about herself. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth between both panels, if that's okay. Hello. There we go. Hi, I'm Kristen, and I'm the founder of Gen E, which is short for Generation Environment. And it's a micro-philanthropy app addressing climate change. Um, You can think of us like the acorns and Venmo of climate fintech. And my background quickly is I worked in consulting and CPG and also led global marketing for various beauty brands in the luxury space. And then three years ago, I decided to drop everything and focus the rest of my life on fighting climate change because I just couldn't spend one more second doing anything else. Um, I think my connection to NextGen is really, I mean, Gen and Generation is in my company name, so it's kind of a big focus. And I think it's less about age or demographics and just that everybody alive right now is part of this generation that's going to either save the planet or not. Um, so we're really focusing on the individual level and giving them the tools to take climate action in their daily lives in an easy way using technology um, through an app that's just set it and forget it. You can add it to your lifestyle. Um, And then we're at the same time redefining philanthropy because currently, um, well, there's been studies to prove that giving money to nonprofit organizations that are high-performing is 
the most effective way an individual can take climate action. Um, and currently only 3% of American philanthropy is going to the environment, which is insane if you think about the magnitude of the climate crisis. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And by, um, you know, giving them an app, we, I think that philanthropy should be thought of uh, in the same way your other finances are. Um, so you should be able to manage it, track it, have it in a cool UI-driven app, um, and that's what we're doing. So that's kind of how I view the next gen. Uh, Thanks, Kristen. I've got your app up behind the website. you as, we're, <laughs> as you're talking. So um, why don't we flip back onto the other side? I don't know. Allison, Wendy, do you want to go next? Oh, she's talking, I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Back to you, Kirby. I'm speaking. Can you not hear me? Yes. Okay, you can hear me. No, I was going to say, why don't we switch over and have Wendy or Allison introduce themselves next, and we'll go back and forth between the two panels. Can you hear me? Allison Smith. Um, I, about 10 years ago, started very personally getting focused on impact investing, really from a risk and opportunity perspective, saying, does this give us better opportunities, and is this a gauge of risk? And at that time, that was a very unique idea. And so I really started kind of in small circles, focusing on this in my personal endeavors. And then it became more and more mainstream. And that's certainly been the case since. I then joined Cornerstone Capital, which focuses on investment advisory, all focused on impact. And then I wanted to have an even deeper impact and, fo and joined Rethink as a partner earlier this year, where we focus investing in real estate as well as in venture capital, specifically around having as large of impact as we possibly can while getting top quartile returns. And so that's been um, the entire focus of my professional career as well as my personal career. And what excites me about this is when I first started being interested in impact, it was, oh, you're a tree hugger, or, oh, that's just silly. And now it's become mainstream, where report after report, whether it be USIF or Morgan Stanley or some of the reports um, that John referenced earlier, focus on that you're actually getting better returns. And so this is what's moving people in that direction, and this is why there's been such a immense growth, which... You know, I'll probably go into later what the other flip side of that is, but it's so exciting to see the level of growth that there's been and happy to kind of get into, you know, what we focus on at Rethink, which is under four strategies, education technology, gender equality, community development, as well as food technology, but, but really expanding from there in a deepest way, realizing that there's an intersection and nexus among these issues that gives you an understanding of how a company is going to perform and what you're looking to achieve in a really deep, meaningful way. So I can talk about this literally all day. I kind of do. Um, and I want to hand it over, you know, given that I think we're consolidating into about a half an hour for this panel and making sure that everyone has a, a chance to discuss the really interesting and fascinating things that they're doing that touch on this space. Do you 
All right. Do we want to kick it back over? Um, Wendy, do you want to go? You've got the mic, it looks like. Um, Wendy Craft, I run. It's a third generation um, family office. One of the iconic families in the space, and I'm an old gal. So I was around in the family office space before anybody had used the word impact investing. Um, and to take you back, we didn't know what it was. Um, and a lot of families felt really weird about it at first when they heard it. They're like, well, if you're just going to help somebody, you just give charity. Remember this, right? Why are you trying to make a return? That makes it dirty charity. And I mean, these were the discussions we actually had. And nobody knew what impact was. And Kirby and I have had this discussion. You know, there were people kind of charlatans in the space, who are doing things like, I put in better windows. That's impact investing. It's now a green building, but it, it wasn't a least green building. But people said, oh, that's an, it's making an impact, so it's okay. And I remember the real fuss that came up, and I'm betting Kirby will remember this as well, is when the charter schools started up. And people were making returns on charter schools. And then it became this kind of ethical thing. Is that impact investing? Does it help? Does it not help? Um, so it's been really a neat journey on the family side to see this coalesce. I know a lot of families now who actually have small departments or at least dedicated personnel for impact. Um, I think that the matriarchs and the patriarchs have been able to use impact investing as a teachable moment and a bridge to the next generations as opposed to always relying on philanthropy, which may have gotten as far as donor advice funds, not that there's anything wrong with that, um, as a bridge. And the kids were like, who cares? <laughs> we, we need to do more. We need to do things specific. We don't want generalized checks. We want projects. Um, so it's really grown up. And it's been very interesting to see. And I think a lot of families uh, that weren't fully into the space during COVID did a huge pivot, and now they are. Fantastic. Um, why don't we kick it? Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Kick it back over, and we'll round out with um, Angela, and then we'll go to Zach. Check. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Angela Gorn. Those that haven't uh, met me, but I did speak last night, so I'm going to keep it really brief because we don't have a lot of time. Um, I'm a female founder of Tap and Go Technologies. We are a niche neobank um, that has a combination of bespoke insurance products as well as financial services technology. I kind of like that there's a split. You guys are impact investors, and we are tech companies making impacts. This is kind of cool. We didn't decide that we we're doing this split, but um, so we're going to get it probably into some neat chats, but um, particularly with the niche vertical bank feature is really focused on making impact in each one of these niche communities. So it's dissecting and authenticating who the audience is that's transactioning every day. So that's really our specialty is going into niche verticals, whether it's sport and wellness, female founders, um, youth, and making impact in the environment. So love what you're doing. Uh, but that's really our specialty is going into those markets. And aside from that, I'm big into sports. So people always know that I love the pro athlete space. That's my background personally. So, but hey, Zach, over to you. Uh, thank you, Angela. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I'm speaking from Dubai. Um, 
Uh, we're a family office. We focus on venture capital, like early stage and late stage. Uh, I do a lot of philanthropy and charity as much as I can, and I think yeah, I've dedicated my life to impact. Um, I wasn't sure what to cover, um, but since energy was covered a lot recently, like uh, this week, I'm, I'm helping like some wind energy projects and like uh, uh, solar projects that my cousin does in, in France. Um, yeah, like uh, helping them either get a new, you know, home or expanding some of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I, I was happy with, uh, the presentation so far today. We, uh, me and Mark tried to organize this day around like impact and philanthropy. And like, I'm glad so many amazing people joined, like John and, uh, Peter in the morning. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm hoping we get into more like Q&A because I didn't really prep like a <laughs> spiel. Uh, thank you. All right. So since we're going to kind of spitball this and we only have like five or ten minutes or so since we went, started a little bit late, maybe um, each person can just pass the mic around and I know Mark asked us what keeps us the most awake at night and then what opportunity we see. Um, I, I'll start and I'll model it and then we can kind of go around. What keeps me awake at night is I'm really focused on preparing, I think, those individuals who individually have the greatest opportunity to make a difference. And I'm talking about um, beneficiaries, affluent beneficiaries who are kind of that rising gen and the opportunity that's at hand. So my passion is really um, helping solve for those kinds of foundational uh, missing links on when it comes to estate planning, wealth, um, investing, and those building blocks of education, because I believe that we don't do a very good job of um, – we spend a lot of money making money, but we don't invest in our human capital to prepare them for what's next. So if we're going to grow the next great crop of impact investors, we also have to teach them, you know, how estate planning works and how tax works and and just broadly how to plan. So that's my passion on the Tamron learning side because what keeps me awake at night is how many people haven't figured out that they've not adequately supported um, that next generation. All right, so who wants to go next? Do we want to go Wendy and around? Um, what keeps me awake at night is the manner, and Kirby and I have talked about this as well, the manner in which families do impact investing. Um, and sometimes they get very excited about a project, but from a tax, I hate to bring that up, but from a tax perspective or an estate perspective, it offsets um, another investment that they're making, and there doesn't seem to be a whole big plan. And it's a very hard thing to talk to your family principal and their offspring about, yes, everybody wants to help. But if you do this, it offsets this and creates a problem over here. And it's hard because these are investments, I almost want to say, of the heart. So to talk cold, hard facts makes you seem very rude. But sometimes you have to. And sometimes I think um, what I'd love to see in the space, Kirby, um, is somebody putting together impact investing in a box so that you can have, okay, if you're going to invest in impact tech, then a good thing to correlate with that would be this. And almost like a map for the impact industry, because right now it's a little, I'm going to date myself, Lucy Goosey. There you go. <laughs> 
Um, what keeps me up at night, besides my three-and-a-half-year-old, is, <laughs> is um, you know, really, I think, it, to double down, is the lack of understanding of personal finance and investing combined with how grave these issues are. And I think there's a lot of headwinds that are moving um, in an incredibly positive direction, and I'm certainly an optimist in seeing the amount of dollars that are rushing into the impact investing space, as well as just seeing some amazing companies and an amazing work um, that's happening in the equity sector that's just so incredibly exciting. But at the same time, I think you know, the fact is that most individuals, um, no matter what type of family they come from, are not being taught about personal finance as well as the grave issues that now that we're facing that are more detrimental than probably any previous gen generation has had to face is, um, you know, a little horrific. But most of the time at night, I'm just praying that my three-year-old doesn't wake up. <laughs> All right. Well, I think to play on this, uh, for, for myself, what keeps me awake at night is definitely access and accountability. And I think from the fintech space and talking education, I think we've all said that is the access point at all purposes and all points in life. So um, my former company was a social enterprise that focused on youth, and we had a big application, and that was all about teaching youth how to give back through their causes they cared about, and that led through the ability for them to market and sell a product they cared about as well. So it kind of taught me early on that importance of education, but I think going back, Wendy, to like the family and the impact, like here's Kristen and I outside this morning as two tech founders, and I think this applies to impact investing purposes. Here's a gen environmental company. They're based on giving back through transactions, and she'll probably share her, her purpose there a little bit more. But right away from being a neobank, I can link into what she's doing through a youth card program that has an e-wallet that we can say every single time somebody that's 18 to 35, 40 years old, which is the demographic of our Yovin card program when it launches, can actually transaction to give back to environmental causes. So right away you can link all these alignments. And I think that's neat when you start to create cause mechanism, which is what 361 is doing, is putting people like us under the same roof to drive forward the conversation. So we are making impact right here, which is, you know, what keeps me awake at night is getting into the right networks, the right people doing great things to put great minds together. So there you go. I think we'll probably go into, like, the things we're excited about, too, hopefully. But um, I guess... Obviously, the thing that keeps me awake is the climate crisis and the demise of our planet. But um, I think the other thing is I'm a little skeptical about Gen Z um, and whether or not we're going to see it play out that they truly are the sustainable um, or the sustainability-minded generation. I think we kind of like saw with millennials um, as marketers, we were really excited about, oh, this is the socially conscious uh, generation, and they're going to really change the way people consume things. But um, now we see that they make purchase decisions the same way as everybody before them based on price and convenience. So um, it's going to be like another at least 10 plus years before we see if Gen Zs are going to put their money where their mouths are. So I guess that's, you know, something I'm a little skeptical about, but I really hope that they keep holding the torch. Um, I'll go ahead. Um, in general, I think what keeps me awake is uh, like unforeseen things 
like uh, things not seen by the majority of people and then they come smack us in the face um an example of this is like food and water uh water in particular is like overlooked um but uh, there are like some um, you know groundwater problems surfacing up from now um food as well uh, that's why we look into uh, agriculture tech and you know alternate foods alternate meats uh, lab grown meats i've been looking at those um since there might be a shortage coming up that we don't expect you know because we're used to the good old ways or you know the good old times where like nature <laughs> took care of us um uh then uh life life sciences i mean we noticed with with covid all of us like uh the gaps we have there um uh, i i might end up uh, setting up like a, with a couple others, like an $80 million fund for life sciences. Um, philanthropy, we've talked a lot about this, like the lack of consolidation in philanthropy, but, you know, there's some good examples from our community, and I like what's happening in Chicago now, um, the consolidation of efforts and organization of efforts, and how Peter described what's happening in New York as well. So I think city by city, there could be hope. Um, uh, opportunities, I'm going to say esports, even though I sort of got a crash course on it today um, with some big projects happening there. And uh, I think last year a lot got talking, uh, talked about it, like uh, I think Jonah and whatnot. Um, but with the announcement of the meta, you know, the brand uh, transformation, and you talked about the metaverse a bit, I think, yesterday, um, it's true that a lot of people have a virtual life already, and they, they spend there, and they get entertained there and whatnot. So if you've been, you know, avoiding esports, it's going to come at you like the football game that's coming up, even in the NCAA, and, like, there's a lot of things happening in all facets of culture that we're used to, like schools, college, uh, colleges, and afterwards. Um, yeah, finally, I was going to say in renewable energy, what's interesting is also the, you know, in emerging markets, there's easier labor to build renewable plants, you know, hydro and like uh, solar and like these sort of things. But in developed countries, you have an, a lack in like skilled work, you know, like construction workers and whatnot. Um, so it's interesting with this displacement, like what we could do. And, you know, in the developed world, you need to like overhaul the, you know, electric grid and the power plants and all that. So these are my thoughts. I hope it wasn't too many, you know, dispersed areas, but I work in many projects usually. Thank you, Zach. Um, did we have someone just join the panel up front? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Malena. I work at a company called Unreasonable, and we work with um, companies that are solving the world's biggest social and environmental problems. Um, essentially, we have a group of values-aligned uh, investors, and the groups, the entire organisation's existed for seven years, committed to helping these growth-stage companies that are on a mission to solve these huge problems. And we essentially support them with uh, connections and funding. And anyway, I think it's a testament to how um, incredibly uh, important this space is that we 
have launched an impact club in the last year that has uh, 150 um, impact investors uh, who are dedicated to, you know, um, backing these ventures that are solving the um, these great problems. So um, it all keeps me up at night. <laughs> I'm studying it uh, as part of my green MBA as well. But I just wanted to ask a question to the group. Um, what are you seeing investors uh, particularly you know, resonating with and at the forefront in terms of uh, whether it's particular, um, you know, industries or uh, missions, are you seeing them drawn and pulled to certain, certain areas? What I've seen, and I think I've seen this for a long time, even though the philanthropic dollars don't represent it, um, but in the impact investing space that it's, you know, 90% about climate. Um, and I think that's because of how large the problem is. We have strategies that focus not only on climate, but also on social issues and other issues. And there's a big connection between a lot of these issues, whether it be that um, you know, women and people of color are disproportionately affected by climate change. That said, what I hear from investors is that climate is their largest concern, um, you know, in a, in a general standpoint. I will say it's broken down, at least from the families. I know a little more by age and that the older impact investors, uh, well, some of them are clearly concerned about the environment. A lot of them will look at education and um, things like that that they can make an impact in, giving computers to kids during the pandemic um, or selling them at a discount rate, whatever. They did a whole, families did a whole bunch of things during the pandemic to really help the school systems as they started to fail because we were not prepared to go online. I see the younger family members, some next gens, there are a few that are in control, and they're much more on climate, and they're also much more specific project. So if something happened, they know villages need cows. And what they're going to do is they're going to go from village, 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 and buy them 20 cows and hope that that does that. Um, some of it's philanthropy, a lot more of it's impact. There'll be a lot of building programs um, that will get families to be able to have their home businesses and really elevate themselves. But they're, they're much more as a group, and I know I'm generalizing, but project-specific, um, climate-specific than the older generations who just want to, I don't know, have everybody seen Elon Musk say, like, I'm going to solve world hunger. So, so you get that more with your... Your older patriarchs and matriarchs, and the younger generation is I'm going to put a well in that village to charity water. Angela or Zach? I guess because like, we're coming from a very different angle from investment, but I think the important part is the def definition of investment. It doesn't always mean capital, right? It means strength and numbers, and I think that's one of the biggest thing when you take the application between investment from a dollar perspective and you work with companies that are doing innovative innovative applications or innovative tech or innovative work in the social impact by putting students in workplace, right? So again, going back to the education model, it really comes full circle. It's all about economic drive and how can we better that. So I think to address what you're asking, you know, from an impact side is 
you know, innovation and education to the next gen that are having that ability to come up knowing that there's investment dollars to support concepts and ideas that are going to go and create change in the next gen or the generation we have now moving forward because it all comes down to the community effect. So hopefully that comes as an ecosystem. Um, I guess I'll just add like more from the consumer user perspective. Um, on my platform, like we have a variety of environmental nonprofits and climate solutions um, and we try to just like hit at every cause so that the user can choose but I'll say that um, supporting indigenous communities is definitely like an issue that rises to the top um, it's a lot harder to quantify you know the actual impact there but I think in certain cases that doesn't matter like people just know that it's good to support these communities and they hold 80% of the world's biodiversity in their land, so it's so important that we, um, you know, give them the resources to stand strong. Um, and then, of course, like, planting trees um, is really, you know, exciting for, like, consumers and individuals, and obviously those of us, like, deep in the climate world know that's not going to solve everything, but it still is an important piece of it, and if it gets people engaged and gets them in the door, then I think that's a positive thing. Um, I was going to mention space um, since I wanted to mention it, but I forgot. Uh, so we, we're supporting space. Something uh, we're doing with the startup uh, we supported is uh, allowing to send like a cube satellite uh, for $20,000 only. Um, or if it's a bit bigger, like 40,000. Um, this is like for the first launch in a year and we're gonna mainly go with, uh, you know, target universities. Uh, but in general, with what we're doing, we're making it really cheap to send cube satellites so that, uh, students, you know, doctors, students and whatnot in universities could do more research. And obviously with more research, um, you get new innovations and it's good for everyone, right? We improve quality of life for everyone. And from space, you could whatever, detect fires, you could do so many things. Uh, and we're sort of behind on space because there is one major satellite that is getting decommissioned silently, but not a lot of people know because it's malfunctioned and uh, we're going to use like 10 year old technology instead of it till the new one is ready in three years. Uh, I'm not going to name the satellite <laughs> right now. Um, but I was going to say about, uh, um, space, since in the last, like last month, I talked a lot about it. There are a lot of charlatans, so you have to be careful. And that's, I learned a lot more about it also today because I got an expose of the different uh, startups, uh, besides the one we support. And, uh, some really, like Eddie said yesterday, raised a lot of money on just a PowerPoint deck without the actual technology and, uh, you know, engineering to, to support uh, their ambitions. Thanks, Zach. Um, you know, I just want to kind of add to this vein of thinking that um, one thing I think is a tremendous opportunity is to really reevaluate your existing portfolio and look at what you have today that has a future impact lifespan. And I'll go to real estate as a really great one. My family um, had held this piece of property for nearly 90 years when we ended up selling it in part to a green developer and then um, having the majority of, of land go into the Florida Forever program, about 70,000 acres. 
And so one thing I, I really impress upon, you know, the investors out there is to actually look at how your portfolio could potentially be repurposed. Because our family knew that we had water issues where eminent domain that many municipalities and cities around our land would say we need your water. And our family felt very strongly about that water being committed back to the replenishment of the Everglades. And so the natural resource aspect of real estate is so incredibly impactful. And 99% of every family family office has real estate in their portfolio somewhere. So I'm just throwing that out as another way to rethink about how you can, you know, have um, alignment with impact. I think Lauren has a, a question. I don't know if you want to ask it. He, how can we change the narrative so oh, impact? Oh, oh, go ahead. Okay. Ba- basically, it's something you know that we had touched on, you know, in the Chicago South panel. This idea that sometimes impact is almost kind of like a code word for, in a sense, an enhanced form of charity. But we know that there's even, uh, you know, data out there that shows that impact investing can be just as uh, profitable, have just as much of a return on investments as any other kind of investment. So just how do we change that narrative or what is it that you folks are doing uh, toward that or, you know, talking to people about the return on investment that they get? And if we can just spend about a minute, because I know we got to wrap up this panel pretty quickly. Um, whoever would like to respond, go ahead. In 2005, 2006, people thought that there was going to have to be a concessionary return. And then in 2016 and 2017, people, and 2018, there was a lot of studies that came out that said, oh, you, it's not a concessionary return, you can get the same return. And then most recently, there's been a lot of studies, whether it be USCIF or Morgan Stanley, that have come out to said that it's actually better. Um, Morgan Stanley is one of my favorite that said, you know, equities outperformed, equity ESG or impact um, funds outperformed by 4.3%, which is very significant in 2020. And so I think that there's really been the shift of thinking between concessionary, and this is over the past 10 to 15 years, to actually being a performance indicator. And so I think as there's more and more data and more and more reputable institutions, whether it be USF or Morgan Stanley, and there's, you know, tons that, that are coming out, it's almost hard to digest all of them. Um, that shift will happen naturally. And I think as people are, you know, speaking about how other portfolio is done, you know, it will be understanding that, um, you know, more diverse teams, being thoughtful about environmental risk, and the many, many other things that we're looking at actually are leading um, to being indicators for some of those performance. And, you know, I'm focused now in the VC space, which certainly um, there's not nearly as many studies on, but but in equities as well as in fixed income, there's there's a lot of data that's out there. So I think it's starting to be a real focus for many investors to move in that direction. And, and I expect that to only continue and to us only as every year that passed um, it to move at a pretty extraordinary rate, which is, you know, the opposite of what keeps me up at night. It's what it really, really excites me. I know we're out of time, so I'm going to do this really quick. Um, I would say that sometimes we get caught up in the return because, you know, like you said, we've been watching the same data. It's great. And what I remind the family that I work for is we also need to track the impact where those goals and objectives achieved, not just the return. Yep. 
Does anyone else on the panel want to respond? Otherwise, um, there was a request for the Morgan Stanley data. Allison, if by chance you have that available to share with the community and the 360 community. Um, I'm super mindful of time and I know we're catching up here, but I just want to thank all the panelists. I, and, um, thank you to Wendy and Allison for, you know, acquiescing and joining us. It's great to see your beautiful faces and it's great to connect with Angela and Kristen and Melina and Zach and your insights. Um, cause I think, you know, this panel has given some great insights to both the next gen and the possibility of impact. So Mark, I'm going to turn it back over to you and hopefully we, we caught up on time a little bit. I'm joining our 361 firm community of investors and thought leaders. We have a lot of events created by the community as we collaborate on investments and philanthropic interests. Join us.